This is the sidebar for the week of September 29th, 2017. I'm Steve Scully in Washington. Now people are looking at them and saying, wow, you're really, really big. And that opens up a lot of questions from the very high level. Should there be some sort of antitrust action against one of these companies against a web platform uh, to, to lower level? Like, you're so big, I have some questions about what you're going to do with my data and how private that will be. This week, we examine the debate over regulating some of the biggest tech companies in the world, including Facebook, Google, and Amazon. Our guest is David McCabe. He covers the intersection of technology, policy, and politics for Axios. David McCabe of Axios, thanks very much for stopping by our C-SPAN radio studios. And let's get beyond one of the headlines this past week with Facebook, the 2016 elections, and Russia. What was that all about? You know, if you take the longer view, it was a pretty stunning moment. Uh, If you go as far back as right after the election, Mark Zuckerberg, the CEO, the founder of Facebook, essentially the public face of the company, said effectively that this idea that fake news had been pushed on his platform and influenced the election was crazy. Uh, And while this is in no means the end of the story, it's it's a moment in which the company came out and said, you know, we we looked and after a long period of study, we found that, in fact, Russian based operatives purchased ads Uh, not necessarily to push fake news, but to push divisive messages on the platform. Uh, So while it's only $100,000 in ad buys, it's not huge compared to the the overall spending in the election or the scale of Facebook's platform. It's still a really big deal for Facebook to come out and say this. And, And that's why you've seen the headlines that you have. And certainly the optics were bad. The optics were, were not great for Facebook. And I think, uh, what has made it worse is that Lawmakers and investigators don't appear to be satisfied with what Facebook has said so far. So going back a couple of weeks, Facebook came out and they said, uh, you know, a Russian-based troll farm uh, purchased $100,000 worth of these ads. Again, not that much in the grand scale of the platform. Uh, And effectively, the senators who were investigating this, or one main senator, Mark Warner, said, okay, but I think there's probably more. And okay, but I want to see the ads. I want to have the ads. He'd been present. They'd been presented the ads. They they were not in possession of them. Uh, and Facebook said, well, you know, under law, we don't have have necessarily the ability to do that. We're worried about privacy. They floated some explanations for this. Uh, but ultimately, the pressure got great enough that Facebook came out and made a deal with congressional investigators to hand the ads over, which, you know, makes it look like they're playing catch up. Frankly. And it was interesting, too, a story in The Washington Post this past week in which President Obama, after the election, had a conversation with the CEO of Facebook saying, this is something you need to be aware of. Yeah, and I've I've seen that report. It's clear that the Obama administration was concerned about this. Uh, but Facebook took its own time to, to come to, to the conclusions they have. Uh, and I think we're not yet at the point where we can say whether or not that was a good move, whether they should have acted faster. Uh, certainly, there are people on some sides that would say absolutely they should have. Um, maybe they should have even acted <laughs> before the election. Uh, but I, I think in terms of the historical view of this and what it means for the company, what's very clear is that it's an open question whether or not they acted fast enough and acted the way they should have at the right time in terms of the 
the handling for their own company. Let's focus on some of your own reporting because clearly it's this issue with Facebook, the growth of Amazon, its purchase of Whole Foods, the influence of Google, that many in Washington are wondering whether or not it's time to regulate these companies or provide more regulation to what these companies are able to do. What's the debate all about? What's happening on Capitol Hill? So at its highest level, this debate is about size. Uh, let's go back 10 years. These companies were political darlings. Why? They were startups. They were young. They were even sometimes cool, uh, you know, in so much as a company can be cool. And uh, over time, they've gotten bigger. Uh, their products have become more ubiquitous. They're in everybody's lives and in more facets of everybody's lives. And you look at some of these companies now, and they could be just another big company. You know, the problems they have uh, are sort of similar. The the ubiquity of their brand is the same. Uh so now people are looking at them and saying, wow, you're really, really big. And that opens up a lot of questions from the very high level. Should there be some sort of antitrust action against one of these companies against a web platform uh, to, to lower level? Like, you're so big, I have some questions about what you're going to do with my data and how private that will be. So there's a wide range of regulatory options that lawmakers may avail themselves of. Uh, but the important thing, I think, to know and the important thing that our reporting has reflected on Axios is that the, the dynamic around these companies, the perception around these companies, has changed in a way that is one of the most consequential stories we think of the year. Uh, uh, but of course, it's been overtaken by some of the news out of the White House. So what will the debate look like? And who are the key players that you're following? And what issues do you think could potentially face regulations? So there's a lot of, uh, as I said, options available to lawmakers or regulators who might be interested. And I'll be clear up front. Our reporting reflects that this is all right now pretty much talk. Uh, you know, bills. Some bills have been floated. Some ideas have been raised, uh, but we haven't yet reached that tipping point that you see if you go back in history with Microsoft or AT and T, where suddenly what was hot rhetoric from maybe a competitor or some skeptical lawmakers has turned into actual action. So that's the caveat. But what could they do? Well, one thing you could do is you could look at the legal liability that these companies have uh, under something called CDA 230, Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act. A company like Facebook or YouTube isn't liable for the user content posted on their site. Now, that may seem like a pretty arcane thing, but in fact, it's the foundation for their ability to host billions of pieces of user content. Because if each one could be a lawsuit, you can understand, and if your listeners can understand, how that would change the calculus uh, around whether or not it's worth running one of these companies. Uh, there is a bill right now in the Senate that would weaken that protection, particularly as it regards to websites that facilitate sex trafficking. It comes out of this investigation of a website called Backpage.com uh, that hosted a lot of sex trafficking ads, uh, has been a target of investigators for a long time. Uh, now, that doesn't directly say Facebook were taking away your liability, only if they facilitate sex trafficking, uh, which the lawmakers who are working on this, Rob Portman and Richard Blumenthal, say they don't think they do. But nonetheless, uh, it reveals a weak point for these companies, uh, and that's why they've responded with a lot of uh, aggressive action against it. Uh, that's one thing. Privacy is another issue. Uh, we have not seen this uh, get a lot of traction, but there's this idea that you could regulate privacy uh, at broadband providers, Comcast, AT&T, the same way you regulate privacy for Facebook and Google. Uh, and that would probably uh, be a loss for Facebook and Google and a much more minor loss for Comcast and AT&T because advertising is the basis of Facebook and Google's businesses. 
And then a third uh, thing you could do is you can increase the disclosure requirements around political ads. And that's something that's come out of this conversation about the Russian bought ads on Facebook. Mark Warner, uh, the senator from Virginia, Amy Klobuchar from Minnesota, uh, have floated a bill that would require some aspect of disclosure, just like ads that are on broadcast television for political reasons have to be disclosed. Uh, and in fact, Facebook has now come out and said, we're going to do some of this disclosure ourselves. They haven't said how yet, but they've said you'll be able to look at a page uh, and see the political ads it's purchased, whether or not they were targeted at you. So those are three areas to watch. And of course, as I said, the highest level would be some sort of antitrust action. Uh, our reporting reflects that that would be uh, pretty far off because it would require a sea change in the law. Our reporting also says sort of the same about uh, treating these companies whole, on a whole-scale way like utilities. Let's turn our attention to the money and politics component with all of this, David McCabe, because as you well know, uh, generally speaking, Republicans are the party of fewer restrictions and regulations. The Democratic Party tend to favor more regulations. But when you talk about Google, for example, or Amazon, they tend to support Democrats more than Republicans. So how does that affect the debate or the influence here in Washington, D.C.? There's no doubt that these companies are politically powerful. They have big Washington offices. You know, uh, Google is not far from here. Uh, Facebook is elsewhere downtown. Uh, so they have a lot of influence. That said, I think you encounter occasionally on Capitol Hill, particularly among Republicans, uh, sort of a sense of uh, these companies are arrogant. You know, these liberal companies, they come in, they say what they want. Uh, and we saw, our Axios exclusively reported earlier this year, that Republican leadership uh, brought in representatives of Facebook, Google, and Amazon and said, uh, if you get too aggressive in advocating around an issue called net neutrality uh, uh, and particularly advocating against the standard Republican position, it will imperil your other priorities here on the Hill. And that's sort of a stunning statement for companies that have been political darlings for a long time. And among Democrats, I think, this election has precipitated a, a sea change in thinking, particularly around Facebook, but probably also around Google, about the role of these platforms. And that's largely because uh, there are many Democrats who think that fake news that was uh, distributed online had, had a significant factor, was a significant factor in Donald Trump's win for the presidency. Uh, so I think while the concerns vary a little bit from party to party, uh, this skepticism is bipartisan. So you talk about these companies and, and really the, the growth they've had over the last 10 to 15 to 20 years. What about new startups like Uber and Lyft and Airbnb? And what should they be on the lookout for potentially five, 10 years down the road? You know, I think in many ways they have to get there, right? Uh, we see some of those companies that you mentioned uh, remain Im embattled in their own way. Uh, I think that, that what's interesting with those companies is those are three companies, so Lyft, Uber, Airbnb, and what's called the sharing economy, which exists in really highly regulated spaces already. So Airbnb came in and they're fighting with hotel regulations, and uh, Uber and Lyft uh, came in and they're fighting with taxi regulations. And they're fighting, of course, with the incumbent players, whether they're taxis, you know, in New York, the yellow cabs we all know, uh, or hotel hotel chains, hotel unions. Uh, so I would actually, to turn the premise of the question around a little bit, say that those companies, if they make it to the point where they are uh, publicly traded and at the size of Google and Facebook, may, may, just by nature of having been through a couple wars, be more prepared uh, to face potential regulation because they fought off a lot of it. Uh, and I think we see that uh, in other startups, too, that, that have 
taken steps into highly regulated spaces, uh, whether that's healthcare uh, or, or other highly regulated industries. So David McCabe is a reporter covering all of this for Axios. When you reach out to Google or Facebook or Amazon, are they transparent? Do they respond to you? Do you get the answers to your questions? So I would say two things. The first is that these companies have over time, this wasn't always true, but now they have really sprawling press apparatuses. You know, we on Axios reported on the the scale of Facebook's response to the Russia questions, and there are three communications people working on that. One in Washington, who's a longtime Democratic public affairs operative, uh, and then two in Menlo Park, one of whom worked in the Obama White House, and the other worked on Google's security team doing communications for them. Uh, So these companies have built really significant public relations apparatuses that also dovetail with really significant policy apparatuses. And, and, you know, as a reporter covering it, uh, you talk to those people, you hear their perspective. Uh, At the same time, I think it's a true thing about everyone in Silicon Valley, that they like to have a lot of control over their own stories. So you look at Facebook, Facebook has uh, really effectively used its CEO, Mark Zuckerberg, to do a lot of messaging. So instead of saying, you know, here's a background statement on Russia, when they wanted to make uh, their big announcement of the changes they were implementing, he did it looking right into the camera on a Facebook Live. And so I think that reflects uh, that while they do have relationships with the press, uh, you know, some of that is public, some of that is more behind the scenes, uh, they also really like to speak for themselves in a way that maybe not every company does. I'm curious if there are lessons from the past, uh, previous companies that are now very big, Microsoft, for example, or Apple, did they face this same type of scrutiny and tougher regulations from Washington? So Microsoft famously was the subject of a major antitrust action. And, uh, you know, for a long time, tech is seen as having spurned Washington. I think that it's things like that, like the Microsoft case uh, or the investigation of Google's uh, competitive practices uh, that do spur a lot of growth in their Washington operations. Um, uh, so I think I think we've seen that. You know, it, it varies company to company, too. I mean, you mentioned Apple, which uh, you rightly put in the same level as Microsoft. In fact, it is the, the biggest company in the world, I believe now, in terms of publicly traded companies. Uh, Apple is sort of notorious for... Uh, being much more low-key here in D.C. Uh, So Steve Jobs, I think, had no interest in it. And even under Tim Cook, while they've been more engaged on whether it's LGBT issues or encryption, uh, they're still more behind the scenes and they're they're not showing up to every event, uh, uh, you know, just to get the FaceTime. They don't, I think, need it. And, of course, uh, all of these companies, part of the new economy of the 21st century and really a a new beat for you and others (laughs) who cover these areas. Yeah, you know, I think... Uh, it's an exciting time to be looking at the collision of technology with politics and policy. As you you astutely noted, there are this the really big companies, and then there are the upstarts. So that dynamic has always been true, uh, but it's true now with the added element of these companies are more politicized than ever before. Uh, there is more skepticism, particularly of the big companies, than ever before. Uh, and I think at the end of the day, uh, we're looking at Americans trying to reevaluate what it means to have tech and tech people be really powerful in society. And I think we're watching that uh, happen uh, in culture, right? That grappling is happening in culture as people look at the diversity of the tech industry and some say, well, maybe this isn't quite as representative as it needs to be given how powerful you are. And we're watching it uh, here in Washington and uh, around the world uh, politically with the kind of things we're talking about. Do you have a sense as far as how former President Barack Obama approached 
these issues, his philosophy, and how that contrasts with the current president, a former businessman, Donald Trump. So the Obama administration was very close with Silicon Valley. There's no secret about this. In many ways, the, the, the values of the Obama administration lined up with those of, of major players in Silicon Valley. And so I think they were uh, not only interested in it from a corporate perspective, but personally really excited to get invited to the dinners, uh, to, to get invited to the fundraisers. Uh, that is not as true with Trump. Uh, you know, I think it's it's also no secret that people in Silicon Valley are, are more skeptical of him and, and sometimes outright oppose him in a lot of his positions. Uh, that said, uh we do see some partnerships forming. You know, they, they announced a big STEM education uh, initiative today and yesterday uh, that involves some major companies. So uh, I would say enthusiasm in Silicon Valley for playing nice with the White House has probably been tamped down a bit, but it's not gone. When we think of trade, we think of the FTC. But what government agencies do you look at and who on Capitol Hill are the key players when it comes to the but the possibility of regulations of the companies that we've been talking about. So there's no federal agency that has full authority over Google or Facebook or Amazon, uh, which contrasts pretty starkly with uh, telecoms. Uh, Verizon, Comcast, they're all regulated pretty wholly by the FCC, the Federal Communications Commission. The FTC, which you mentioned, uh, does regulate privacy, for example. It regulates promises to consumers. Uh, So they recently took a big action against Uber. Uh, So... So they, they have a role to play in uh, regulating technology. So does the Commerce Committee in both the House and the Senate and the Judiciary Committees. Uh, and then the Department of Justice. You know, if there was an antitrust uh, investigation of some kind, which, again, uh, our reporting reflects, is probably uh, unlikely in the near term, uh, it would come out of the Depart- Department of Justice or it would come out of the FTC. Which companies are you keeping a close eye on? I think I think we talk a lot about the big five. Uh, So Amazon, Apple, Microsoft, Facebook, and Google, or Alphabet, as it's now known. Uh, And we're looking at them because they are on a scale that that is unmatched in a lot of ways, uh, and a ubiquity, again, in in American life. Uh, So there are some very old, very big tech companies that that we've heard of, you know, Cisco, IBM, that that are not quite quite that big, but they're big, uh, but they're not quite as common in our lives as uh, Amazon, for example, where anytime you need something, you sort of think in the back of your head, should I get on Amazon? Should I go out to the store and get it? Uh, they're not as common as Facebook, where so I, I'm looking for wedding photos from the wedding I was just at. Where are you going to go? Facebook. Uh, um, or Google, which often is our email provider and where we write uh, our work in Google Docs. Uh, so I would say we're particularly interested, and I'm particularly interested, in the companies that uh, are not just huge on a corporate scale, uh, but very public-facing and ubiquitous in our lives. And what's remarkable, if you think about this, because these companies have really uh, grown up over the last 10, 12, 14 years, the smartphone is only 10 years old, and now it is very much part of our lives. Mm -hmm. We can't live without it. Yeah, and I, I think... I think that's an important thing to remember when you're looking at tech and how it's regulated is there's always someone else coming up and that'll bring new questions uh, and things we can't even predict. You know, we talk a lot, we've talked a lot this year and we've reported on extensively uh, the potential for regulation of artificial intelligence. Uh, That was not part of the conversation five years ago in the same way. When we talk about regulating virtual reality or augmented reality, that was not part of the conversation in the same way. so it's, it's exciting in a lot of ways to watch new things come up. And, and uh, you know, I think we see lawmakers get excited about what can we do here? How can we move it along? A great example of that is self-driving cars. Uh, you know, 
that's something that's been on our radar for less than a decade, I think, uh, in a real way. Uh, and just just recently, uh, the House the House passed a, a big package meant to encourage the rollout of self driving cars. Um, and you know, I think again, it remains to be seen. Number one, whether that becomes law, uh, but number two, whether or not it's good policy or bad policy, that's not for me to say. Uh, but but we see a real enthusiasm among lawmakers to say, okay, this is really exciting. Let's answer these questions uh, and let's find a role to play for for. Uh, government and policymakers, uh, and certainly for the Republicans who are driving this, they see it as a, I think, a pro-business opportunity as well. The answer may be obvious, but as somebody who follows this so closely, why is Silicon Valley really the incubator of the next great big thing? Sure. I think you talk to people in Silicon Valley, uh, a lot of them value what people like to call the network effects. So, uh, you know, everyone is there. Uh, you know, people meet uh, founding companies, and that company fails, but then they go off and they found another company, uh, and and that works out. Uh, you know, very famously, there's something called the PayPal Mafia, uh, which is people like Elon Musk and Peter Thiel, uh, all of whom were involved around the creation of PayPal uh, and the the successful um, the successful stewardship of PayPal, and have now gone on to be really successful. Uh, and so you have networks like that that can kind of feed off of each other over the course of uh, you know decades now. Are these companies worried about tougher government regulations? I'd say I'd say so. I think uh, you know our reporting on lobbying numbers reflects that. Uh, reflects that that it is something that is really top of mind for a lot of these companies because they're spending big to 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 make sure they're ready if something happens here. Who are the key players? Who do you keep an eye on Capitol Hill uh, in terms of committee chairs, lawmakers that will have a big say in whatever happens in this debate? So John Thune, the, the Republican chairman of the Senate Commerce Committee, has been pretty active on tech issues, uh, and he he remains so. Um, you know, he has taken a more measured tone at times. Uh, you know, he, he, for example, last year uh, applied a lot of scrutiny uh, to, to Facebook's trending news section when it was uh, reported that maybe curators for the trending topic section had moved stories off the list that had been popular with conservatives. Uh, he sent a letter which attracted a lot of attention. You know, he never called a hearing. Uh, so he's pretty careful, I think, about how he uh, how he approaches these things. Um, uh, you know, I think another person to watch is Marshall Blackburn, the new, uh, the new chair of the subcommittee in the House that handles Internet issues. Um, uh, she's pretty conservative uh, and is willing to get out there and take on some of these uh, this, these companies, it's her proposal, the, the privacy proposal that I was talking about that would uh, combine uh, or, you know, build in parallel a regime for uh, Internet service providers and a regime for Facebook and Google, uh, as well as other companies that are in that space. Uh, so those are two people to watch. Uh, but then, you know, on issue by issue, new people come up. So Mark Warner from Virginia, who is l- the leading Democrat in the Senate Intelligence Committee. A tech guy uh, himself. Right. Uh, of course. Uh, and, and so has sort of a personal experience with it as well. Um, uh, he's been the driving force behind this question about how do you disclose ad spending. Uh, so sometimes, sometimes you can predict who it is and sometimes... Uh, uh, you know, an issue collides with a person in a committee at, at the right time, and, and uh, they become the face of something that maybe you wouldn't have predicted. And finally, I hope our listeners can sense your enthusiasm for this, uh, these issues, this topic. This really sounds like an exciting beat for you. It's an exciting time to be be doing what we're doing, and I think, uh, you know, across Axios, we're excited uh, to elucidate uh, the way this this uh, complicated collision of politics and one of the most powerful industries on the planet is playing out. So it's an exciting time to be doing this, and I think there's always more to come. 
David McCabe, who covers technology, policy, and politics for Axios at Axios.com. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for your time, Steve. You've been listening to C-SPAN's The Sidebar. Be sure to follow C-SPAN and C-SPAN Radio on Twitter and let us know what you'd like to hear about in future episodes by using the hashtag C-SPAN Sidebar. If you like the program, please like, rate, and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. By the way, every C-SPAN podcast is available on the free C-SPAN Radio app for Apple and Android devices, as well as Google Play Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening.